Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual Healing. Okay, so I don't know if all of our listeners know this, but there was a 4.5 earthquake recently, about 20 miles north of Los Angeles. Uh, uh, Alan and I felt it. I don't think, Elliot, you felt it. You were distracted at the time. But it was noteworthy enough that the USGS, uh, Geology Society or Survey, reached out to some influential podcasts in Los Angeles to encourage hosts to share the contents of their earthquake kit. I'm obviously a believer that you can never be too prepared. Uh, so, uh, I, I wanted to, to share what I have in my kit and Elliot and Alan sent me emails with what they have in their kits as well. So I'm, I'm happy to share that. So in my earthquake kit, just, uh, so everyone knows in case you live in an earthquake zone, I have six cans of soup. Uh, I have three, one gallon containers of water and I have a flashlight with fresh batteries. Very important. Make sure you have fresh batteries. Uh, so that's what I have. Alan, let's see. Let me open up your email here. Okay, Alan has three one-gallon containers of Diet Dr. Pepper. Um, <laughs> he has a container of clown makeup. He has a battery-powered reading light along with a package of 80 AA batteries. That's quite a bit. And he says he has, quote, 2,000 pages of printed-out Instagram posts because I'm incapable of feeling joy unless I'm mindlessly scrolling through oh my the God. Wow, Alan. I really appreciate you being so vulnerable with your shortcomings. Let me get on Instagram Um, while you do this. And that said, let's get to Elliot's. Elliot, let me open up your email here. Okay, great. Elliot, you have a first aid kit uh, stocked with six months of prep and the monkeypox vaccine. Oh, my God. You have a tickling feather, shackles, whips, restraints, nipple clamps, handcuffs, ball gags, massage oil, a grinder brand ham radio, (laughs) uh, a twister mat, three (laughs) one-gallon containers of chocolate sauce, uh, four flashlights, uh, oh, sorry, four flashlights, and... A protein bar. Elliot's is a lot more sexual than it's, I it's, think. It's I was a birthday cake protein bar too. Don't forget. <laughs> it's a birthday cake protein bar. I wish I wish the listeners of our podcast <laughs> knew the number of times we Alan and I have received texts, frantic texts from Elliot, being like, "I just found the best protein bar, the most delicious protein candy bar in the whole world," and you're like, "Okay." <laughs> It's always birthday cake. It's always a new company. Yeah, it's always a flavor that I would never, ever, ever eat. It's cookies and cream. (laughs) It's birthday cake. It's short, like like strawberry shortcake. It's just always Mm. something that I'm just like, can you not just have vanilla? (laughs) Wait, Alan, do you not like the Hershey cookies and cream bar? Oh, I hate it. I hate cookies and cream anything. I don't like cookies and cream. I'm not. Do you like white chocolate? I do like white chocolate. I don't like okay. a cookies and cream situation. I find it to be huh. gross. Birth anything birthday cake flavored, any of those things, I oh, don't really right, get. I'm right. not. You're not a fan. Yeah, I'm not. That's not my thing. I like. I like very standard sort of like chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, like standalone flavors. Mm. You know, mm. peanut butter. With, like I love that. <laughs> I enjoy peanut anyway. Butter. All right, Alan, go ahead and pick anyway, us off. Anyway, okay. So um, this is right up our alley, guys. I think we're all going to want to move to the new Fire Island. Did you hear about this right. one? We texted about it, so of course you did. 
Um, right. <laughs> Nigel Smith is on a mission <laughs> to create a new Fire Island, which basically it's he's trying to he's trying to develop. He's he's a developer, and he's trying to develop a new community, likely in Greece somewhere that will only <laughs> will likely only have queer people, or or at least try to get queer people to come be a part of it. And by queer people, I mean mostly white, mostly very attractive, mostly very ripped gay men. Um, that's where he's looking for. Anyway. This was a viral video yes. this week that that went that got big and and that's what we're talking. Yeah, about right his now. website says Provincetown, Old Fire Island, or Old Fire Island Pines, and other gay destinations are special because of the community of people who came together uh, in building New Fire Island. We're looking for others who want to join us for this journey from West Village to West Hollywood. Everyone knows when gays get together to build a village. Magic happens and prices skyrocket. That's an actual, that's like he, <laughs> oh he ends his, okay, whatever. I'm going to keep going. So the team behind this movement, like Nigel Smith is one of them. Um, they, of everyone who's behind it, one of them was part of the people who were funded by Republican Peter Thiel to take down Gawker. The other are behind some sort of anti-drug testing enhanced olympics thing it's I, I i didn't want to go down that rabbit hole and get distracted um well to be fair there are absolutely no drugs on fire none, island west hollywood none, none. none. gay guys do not so fuck nigel drugs. says that we spend 99 percent of our lives in the heteronormative world to go to an island for a week that's 95 percent lgbt it was mind-blowing wouldn't it be great if we could get re-energized by being amongst our your lgbtq family your rainbow family for two weeks a month per year for the rest of the year and continue that project of inter integration that project of integration basically is he selling timeshares well that he's well he's more selling he's trying to create a wait list so that he can get a government like in greece a wait list. to to give them you know deals tax deals to create communities basically build homes and everything so he talks about that he's looking for people to you know be in part of his development this community and that the gentrification line that's part of his pitch about gays raising the prices is interesting. Um, he says that we use the term gentrification in respect to gays being at the vanguard of cultural change. He went on to say that we might displace some goats, but not. But we're not displacing anyone. And yes, the goats have rights. We're going to make a couple of farmers very wealthy. They might get displaced. So someone will be displaced. <laughs> um, this man's a fucking idiot. And this whole thing, and when you read an article like this, which did cause a lot of sort of whatever, but the whole point of this is just sort of to spread this essentially developer. And remember, Donald Trump was once a developer. These people are only out to get your money so that then they can maybe create a community that maybe might mirror something that you might want to vacation to once. But the likelihood is the reason why Fire Islands and Fire Island, Provincetown, Palm Springs, the reason why these places are attractive to queer people a is because they have a history of queer rights and of the aids epidemic and so many different things that have ingratiated us to those communities and b they're accessible and for the most yeah, they're convenient exactly and <laughs> if you're looking for we know that gays are not going to go to some farm village in the middle of nowhere they're, they need to be near water or other homosexuals or it's just not going to happen bars. bars something there's no this man's a fucking idiot i'm sorry it, it really, I mean, look, I, it's not that I have my finger on the pulse of real estate development snore, but it, 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 when Elliot sent this link, I just was gobsmacked to think that like, and wasn't there like some discussion about how like a fire Island and, and other places are so expensive. Yes. And so they so want the and you're like, wait, so wait, so you think, you think like gay people 
instead of spending whatever, however many hundreds of dollars to stay on Fire Island, you think they're going to fly to fucking Europe? Yeah. And then, and then, and, and that this the cost savings for your dipshit mm-hmm. uh, island or whatever is going to be sufficient. That oh, it oh you oh it's just the same. I might as well fly to Greece so I can. That's that's so absurd. Such a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And and that guy, that video was he's so stiff. He's so rigid. Yeah. He's so uncomfortable in his own real estate investment video that it's. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just well, to me, unreal. I mean, to me, the most offensive part of it is the fact that he uses words like LGBT or he says rainbow family and he talks about community. What he's actually talking about is rich, yes. cis, yes. white, gay guys. Yes. And, we're, and I know he's talking about this because he's not just talking about mm. gentrification and literally saying he wants to build a village where prices skyrocket. Mm-hmm which is speaking to a very specific audience <laughs> in the video that they, that he posted the video, like that is a, essentially an, an ad, a tourism ad for this potential community. He is literally surrounded by men, gay men in tiny bathing yeah. suits, throwing footballs. Gay. Let's be it real. Literally gay looks, white men. He's surrounded by gay with course. one Asian. With one Asian. They, they got one Asian yeah. in there. And it's just, it's just so clear cut that, or it's just so transparent that I, I, I can't, I, you wouldn't think you'd think that at a certain point they would end with just trying to get you invested in wanting to build this community. But he goes even further to talk about gentrification, displacing goats, displacing farmers, and talking about literally pri- prices skyrocketing. Yeah. Which, if you if, if I'm not mistaken, is him talking about resale value? Yeah. Which is what's what's crazy, <laughs> and this is why you could know that this guy is a fucking scam. Is that there's a reason why there are. 50 fucking faggots in one home in Fire Island or Provincetown or oftentimes at an Airbnb in Palm Springs. Sure, queer people do have disposable income because of the realities of not having children and all of those things. Sure, there is. You could look at that data and probably find that information. But realistically, the people who are going to these places are not the huge money-making people. They are living with 50 people in one house to save on rent for the summer so that they can all have that share. So they're not owning homes in Fire Island. There are other richer people who are probably benefiting off queer people renting those homes who are making that kind of money. And they're not buying it's in tr- this this village that he's creating. It's true. I mean, I remember, like, there were times when, you know, even during our best years or whatever, to save money, I I remember going to Fire Island and visiting Elliot and walking in, and there were five men in his bed. I mean, he needed <laughs> he needed people to share the share the cost. But look, <laughs> but look, uh, I it it does it does. I mean, I I obviously don't think this thing will will catch will will catch yeah. on. Um, but there is something I, I know we've kind of hit, we've harped on this a few times, and I I don't want to be. Uh, a wet blanket for however people want to ch- spend their vacation time. But there is something so contrived about just building a community somewhere, putting up a sign that says gay yeah. <laughs> arrow pointing to gayville and, and, and expecting, and I, I don't doubt that if it got built, some fucking folks would go yeah. there. Yeah, if, yeah. If they had a smart enough social media, oh, they'll campaign. go there. The gays will go. Uh, and there's something just so depressing about it. It, it makes you, it, it, I don't know. It makes you get like existential about what is a vacation? What is the point well, of like? Well, I do understand. You know, traveling. I, there and- is an aspect to the idea of having, I hate this word, but segregated traveling in that, that if you live your life 
you know, in a, like he says, heteronormative world and you're surrounded, especially depending upon what your life is. I mean, you not you might not be surrounded by queer people all the time, or even I'm thinking of also, um, you know, Black Martha's Vineyard. And if you're, if you work in a world or you live in a world where it is very, you know, it's not, you're not surrounded by people you can relate to, then you want to go to a place when you are literally intending to vacate, to get away from that world. And that might actually be the best way to do it, to be in a community where you are fully segregated with people that you relate to and that you can be yourself with and all of those things. So I understand the need for queer themed vacation destinations and travels and like the, 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 the cruises and all of those things. I get that. I totally get that. But I also think there's a way of marketing it and not directly saying, segregate yourself and the prices will skyrocket aren't we great so the, like the, the resale value on this home a lot it's like to say rainbow family yeah. and then prices skyrocket i mean is oh, so hacky like so blatantly tacky and like just transparently capitalistic yeah. in such yeah. a um gratuitous way that you can't even believe you're seeing it yeah. no and I and I also to also understand why Provincetown or Fire Island. Like I understand what is great about yeah. it. I understand. I, I totally understand the idea of being able to go somewhere and fully and freely feel like you can be yourself. Yeah. There is such value in that. But that all being said, I saw somebody post a picture from something called the Atlantis. Oh cruise. yeah, that's crazy. Yes, I have. Look I that. swear to you, it's a gay cruise. Yeah. I was like. It was literally thousands of men yeah. up against each other on a boat, and the music was so loud. Yeah. And I was, it literally filled me with dread. You know, and see, <laughs> the moment I saw it, my heart started I racing. Mean, it and does, I'm like, it that, does seem, that's a trip. I once got offered to do a Golden Girls cruise, and I, I immediately was like, oh, I don't know if I want to be on. Don't. Trap me on a boat. I don't want to be this. trapped in a place that I can't get away and have everyone see no. me as that drag queen. I don't need I don't need that. No. But I do like no, the idea of a cruise. I think a cruise actually sounds fun. <sighs> oh, I am not a fan. No. Awful. No. Awful, no. awful, 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 awful. I've watched I've watched enough disasters at sea to know never get on a cruise. No no boats, no planes. <laughs> Brent only wants people who walk on land. Not even joking. So we're here with comedian Reed Pope. Uh, Reed is a Brooklyn-based comedian, and we're super happy to have you here. Thanks for thanks for being here, Reed. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. It's such an such an honor. It really is oh, an honor. honor is I can ours. say that I have been naked on Reed's Instagram profile. Yeah. <laughs> what? This, is, this true. is true. You have too. You have too, yeah, Elliot. I mean, no, Elliot was never naked. <laughs> oh, Elliot was yeah. never naked. I, I naked. was naked. Oh, never fully I was naked. naked. True. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Well, why don't we? Why don't you explain? Well, I mean, let's let Reed explain. explain. Yes. Yeah, why don't we let yeah. Reed explain what this was a part of? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was two years ago. Um, I decided. Well, during lockdown, I was going stir crazy in my apartment, um, and I started recreating Instagay thirst traps um, using only what I had in my cube of a room in Bushwick. Um, so a lot of a lot of socks and uh, scarves and stuff turned into harnesses and uh yeah i recreated over 200 instagay thirst traps wow. over the course of my own kind of like physical transition and wrote a whole essay about that um but yeah i i was deep in the deep in the weeds of the uh gay instagram and and found uh a bunch of a bunch of traps including now, including yells i know brent i i i'll do i'll do you oh. you're gonna ask <laughs> well don't don't worry if there's anyone who doesn't get naked it's brent sullivan but 
Reed, what was the impetus behind this for you? Yeah, I think I um, I was scrolling Twitter and there was one particular thirst trap that just was like absolutely ridiculous. Shout out to, I think his name is Petey. Uh, we're kind of internet friends now because I had to ask to use his likeness in an article, yeah. but um, he was just on his stomach with his uh, butt up in his underwear and with some caption about like working from home in my underwear is so much better. And it had like 70K. Cool. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> um, I thought. Cool, cool thought. It, you know. Yeah, um, hey, so shame. Was- Everyone has their own humor, Elliot. Don't shame him. <laughs> I'm just saying, cool thought to share. And, cool. You know, no, you gotta let that. We hear the judgment. Na- Fran Drescher's mom. That's that's the role you're playing today, the judgy mom. <laughs> I'm just I'm just commenting on the nature of the of the internet, not just him. That definitely was uh, where I was at when I saw it. I was like seventy k, and at the time, I at the time I like very much identified as some sort of lesbian, and I was like, if a lesbian ever posted this, they would never get this many yeah. likes. Which since the you know advent of lesbian TikTok and the sort of recent rise of Renee Rapp and all those people, I don't know if that's actually true, but um, well, I was like, I, wanna, I, I, yeah. I just want to interject because you talked about this in this great article you wrote for Paper about this project, which we'll talk about even more, but. You're the the exact quote, at least the one you wrote, was if I recreated this, you think my trans dyke ass would get like five k likes? <laughs> that was just perfect. My trans dyke gay, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was sort of the exact thought. And thank you for re- revisiting that because I haven't. Uh, it was great to be sort of thrust back into what my actual what I wrote in that article. Um, sure. Yeah, and then I kind of did really. Um, uh, become addicted to recreating them one just like finding people and finding the most outrageous ones like where people were upside down naked reading a book like doing a headstand on a chair and then i try to recreate it and like eat shit in my apartment um and uh yeah over the course i i just was like wow this is really yeah it was fun to to make did fun anybody of ever push it, back on great? you like did any any of the and even if they agreed to use the, the for you to use the photo did any of them get sort of like butthurt about the response i did have a few people uh some of the the, the bigger instigates dm me and be like this is so rude oh. like how dare you you oh. know oh. Um, <laughs> how dare yeah. you besmirch dare my you? my semi news how dare you besmirch uh, my pu- my public completely public <laughs> pictures yeah, yeah. Un- unbelievable yeah, I, I did apologize, and I'm like, I, you know, I do it because I, I, I'm, a, a, you know, it's all out of love, and which I don't know if that's true, but I was just saying, yeah, stressed out, DMing them back. Um, but I, that's yeah, what's so funny about it though, if you ask me, like, it's so funny because you're like the best parody slash satire is is that which doesn't need mm-hmm. any anything else, like just a repost of some kind, just looking at something with context and letting it speak for itself is the is the parody is the satire. And ultimately, I don't know what they I I don't know what somebody would complain about to you if it's just like, I'm just I'm literally recreating your picture. Like there's, there's nothing. It's not private. It's the self seriousness. I mean, I I think I'm saying what we're all thinking. It's the self seriousness that like, everyone wants to be taken as seriously Mm. as they think they should in their own head. Um, So the context of being goofy, in the context of being goofy. I mean, I think that's what Elliot was responding to earlier, yeah. which is the absurdity. It's one thing to be sexual. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not against being sexual uh, on social media, as we all know. But 
but it's silly to be sexual and pretend that it's yeah. not. It's to pre- to pretend that it's about oh, just working from home. Here's my tootie crack. <laughs> like, like it, it was a hard pose too. Like I, it definitely took a couple of like to get your your butt in a photo with also your laptop and your head yeah. looking over your shoulder. Like it's of not course. more power to them for doing it. But yeah, right. It's crafted. It's also like yeah, a lot of them are being goofy but are truly so unbelievably ripped and somehow yeah. able to balance like upside down sideways well also um, yeah it was really but fun. there's nothing like more <laughs> hot than a hot self-aware dude or person in general do you know yes. what i mean where like and i think of our friend past guest on this podcast like gay fat friend who like they would take you know, the instigays out there and and put himself into the photos. And when one of those instigays was like, or even with your posts as well, when they when they're in on the joke and they're like, Yeah, this is fun. I like this. This is this is this is a funny thing to do. And I see the absurdity in it, but also don't like shame me. But at the same time, let's poke fun at ourselves and let laugh at this a little bit. Like someone who can acknowledge that, they immensely become crazy more hot. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I was honored whatever. I think it was uh, Joel Kim Booster was like, I've, I've been waiting for mm. this when I finally did one of his mirror selfies. Yeah. And I was like, OK, I'm I'm on. I'm glad you're honored and that we're. Yeah. It, but uh, it, it's nice when people can can laugh at themselves. Yeah. And also, yeah, just see like most of them are getting paid to pose. Yeah. Pose and post. Oh, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's what's wild is that you did this in 2020, I believe. Yeah. And I. Yeah. 2020. And it feels like. In, in my opinion, it feels like we've sort of, like what you were doing at the time, the satire of it, the parody of it was very clear and concise, you know, and again, you didn't have to say or do much, but now we've gotten to a point where hot influencers are <clears throat> acting or are posting with the, um, the tone of satire mm-hmm. or like being ahead of the joke, which again, like, Okay, I'm just sort of like, I'm fascinated by that. We've gotten to that point where essentially the person who might think you were being rude, quote unquote, for for reposting their photo in your own pose would now, I think, do this, would not would not come for you and instead be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a goofball. This is this is goofy, you know, starting. I know, with- I'm an artist. Yeah, I'm a goofball. <laughs> yeah, right, it's right. scary in its own way. Yeah, it, it is scary in its own way, too, because I am like, well, you're also in that way. You also are like you're still benefiting from the way that you look and you get to be funny. Yeah, like, that's like when I get pissed yeah, off. Yeah. About, like, I'm like, you can't. I mean, anyone can be a comedian and anyone can do anything. But I am like, wait, you can't have it all. No, I, I <laughs> yeah. firmly, I firmly believe and this is no shade to anyone on this podcast. But if you're attractive and you're funny, it's not. there's no such thing there's no such thing you can't you have to there has to be something wrong with you you have to to choose and it might be on the inside you know i'm thinking of i'm thinking of my good friend nikki glazer she's filthy and she's rotten on the inside but she's gorgeous on the outside so like you know there there has to be something fundamentally wrong with you to be a comedian i believe in that Right. Well, I mean, Alan, Alan, I mean, I think everyone knows the preeminent comedy voice of a generation. Matt Reif is a very good looking guy. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, anyway, sorry, Reed, go ahead. No, please. Uh, I, I agree. Absolutely. I, I really look to Matt Reif. You know what? I should recreate some of Matt Reif's. Oh, stuff. wow. That's that's Do the it. new. That's oh, there you go. Level up. I get 10 percent credit for that. Oh, for sure. For sure. I have to get my jaw done, though. I have to get, mm. you know, fillers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my so. My, oh, well, I'm talking with my sister about it. She insists 
that he's had fillers and work done. Wait, can we explain Matt when I look for at, anyone who may not know who Matt yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, he's a stand-up comedian. He's yeah. a stand-up comedian, straight. Uh, I think... I, I think I have I think he veers towards a little bit of He's a uh, white man. So anyway, the like he's very handsome in a very model-esque sense. But he I, I just am I'm one He's also of, a terrible you, comedian. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Elliot. Do you think he's had a lot had oh, yeah. work done? Is oh, that yeah. does that work? That's work. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think so. I actually think his his it may have been not named but i think his surgeon or whatever i I don't know his person who did his fillers made a tiktok Mm. and was like when you when you do the best work of your life and then he immediately gets canceled or something like it like a yeah i'll try to find it yeah i discovered a youtube channel that actually weirdly thought about earlier today which was a plastic surgeon this was a little out of context for me but uh, (laughs) i still enjoyed it it was a plastic surgeon who went through like 15 years of pictures of one particular celebrity and every year or two, he would be like, okay, so this is what yeah. they've had no, done there's another account in the last there, year. There's another fun. account that I follow. Her name's uh, Lori Hill, and she basically does that, where she breaks down the pictures of a celebrity over time, and she's like, this is the work based on the work that I've had done that I know that this person has definitely had done. And it shows you, and yeah. you see it in the little things, and it's like, and listen, I'm that's coming from someone who I'm dying to make enough money someday to have my, I don't want you to rec- even recognize me if I have money ever. Like, I want to be... <laughs> Same, Alan, same. I want to be completely different. Alan, Alan posted, Alan posted a Alan posted a clip online from the Swan, that insane public. Uh, uh, you mean incredible show? show from like yeah, insane, <laughs> insane, and like like ground swelling uh, uh, of like like super prescient yeah. of like a look at the future. And I think you wrote that one day when you make enough yeah. money, you're going to be unrecognizable. I want to be, want to be unrecognizable. I want the head of Fox to greenlight a reality show that gives <laughs> ugly people plastic surgery. And I want to be front in line. I will gladly let a host of a talk show say, you're fucking ugly. And then pay for me to get oh all God. of the plastic surgery. That's all I want. That's all I want. Insane. I, I'm with you. I'm Thank with you. you. My my person who did my top surgery also does Botox and a bunch mm. of other plastic mm. surgery. And I got to enter a free raffle for the Botox uh, just as being on his email oh list. God, I didn't uh, get it. I didn't get it. But I'm like, I'm hoping it's like a yearly thing and I'm just gonna... Let me yeah. ask you this though. Wait, where, wait, would wait, you, wait, where would you wait. get it? You're so... You look young. You're Thank never you. too young to start uh, Botox before it? they start. Before I'm just they curious. Start. I have... I, I do in pictures of me, especially when I do stand-up because I, for better or for worse, laugh at my own jokes on stage while I'm telling them. My eyes are always a little bit closed and I have the crow's feet going <laughs> in a way that... When it's taken from a certain angle, I'm like, something needs to happen pretty soon. Uh-huh. Yeah, preventative. It's like preventative. You said. My friend James, my friend James calls it uh, uh, gender affirming care. That's I think. true. That is no, it should care. be. Yeah. I agree with that completely. Yeah, I I am bummed out to hear that uh, you only got one entrance entry into the raffle despite getting top surgery. I feel like you get like you should get like yeah, based five on how much it costs and ten. Stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's uh, it was great to sit in that waiting room too, and like it was just me and like a bunch of women from the Upper East Side, just kind of silently waiting oh, wow. to be to be checked out and then, wow. and then worked on. Um, How- but yeah, I should definitely get more than one entry, at least two. Yeah, need- <laughs> like- but, but, yeah, right. Botox <laughs> has really entered the mainstream. I very very good friend of mine, friend of the podcast, never been a guest, but friend of the podcast. She was just telling me she just got Botox, and I'm just like, you are the last person oh, I would expect. No, everyone to get Botox. should be getting Botox, and it really. And she lives in Michigan. It's just, it's just, 
it's ubiquitous now. It's everywhere. And, and she, I lives, guess she got I Botox it. and she lives in Michigan. <laughs> and that means it's cheap there too. I, I always I always text my friends who are living outside Los Angeles being like, how much is your Botox? And I'm just like shocked at how much these people are paying for filler and Botox. I need to not live in this fucking city. I'm going broke just paying for Botox. Wait, Reed, I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Now that you've had top surgery and we were talking about instagays a little bit, I want to know if you are just topless all the time now are you just are you wanting are you wanting to are you wanting to post pictures topless all the fucking time i mean when i first when i got it and i continued the thirst traps i was like oh this actually will change it because a lot of that essay was like i don't look like them and i look i still don't look like them in my wildest dreams i you know but i i was like oh this will change it because i was wearing a binder in like the first year of those photos and then um, so I was, and also I was like, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty gnarly recovery yes. for like at least oh. six months. And so I was like, if I take, if you, if you go back, I am like, you can see the scarring getting like better and mm. better. Cause I did do some like completely topless photos. Um, but yeah, I thought about it. I was like, oh, it'll change the, uh, the sort of joke of it. But I was very tempted, yeah. tempted to do it. Although I will say I'm pretty shy in real life. Like, um, my partner and I go to fire Island every now and then. And it, it is like, uh, people, I'm like, we're, we're, oh, topless, listen, but we're, we're like, to the choir. yeah, right. I mean, it's not a, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't um, know if I like time. how quickly you acknowledged about us. You preaching to the choir a little bit. Like yeah, you three won't take your tops <laughs> off. <laughs> no, 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 no. Reed's talking, Reed's talking about the angles. Oh, I'm, I don't want to put words in your yeah. mouth, but I thought you were talking about the extrovertedness of fire Island where it's just the, everything is just so fucking crazy. It is definitely. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we the first year we went, we stayed in a house with like very, very extroverted gays, and also just snatched yes. like beautiful like just models. We they they kept calling it the himbo house, and then we were like, okay, if we if we take our shirts off and walk around, it's gonna be you know we're definitely changing the vibe. We're also just like so much you know shorter than that. You're so much uh, shorter. That, by the way, that's literally like <laughs> all, every ounce of intimacy in my life is exactly what you're describing. I'm like, yeah. if I take my shirt off, it's gonna ruin the whole vibe. I'm just gonna leave it on. Yeah, uh, yeah. It feels. It it, I don't know. I also think just like years and years of being conditioned in a different way. I'm always like, oh, so right. I'm gonna be like half. Yeah. Half naked right now. Um, that's right. the like deprogramming of that yeah yeah it's so interesting and you know to to your point like the article and paper was a really long really interesting essay and and you were talking about you know this started sort of as a like quarantine goof that became a real thing and then in doing so can you talk a little bit about how it actually changed the way you thought about your gender in that you you transitioned while doing this project you know yeah i think it was, it was a lot of things. I think a lot of people transitioned or at least took sort of like active social or medical steps during quarantine or post lockdown, just because it was finally a moment where a lot of people could be by themselves, not constantly sort of performing or being seen um, and having sure. to uphold whatever they were sort of used to just upholding in their daily yeah. life. I mean, again, that's speaking for a lot of different people, but for me personally, yeah, I, Uh, I really wasn't seeing anyone else besides my roommate. And I already was uh, sort of using they, them pronouns, but I was running around at night doing a million shows and open mics and um, probably just keeping myself very busy as to not acknowledge what was maybe personally happening. And then um, for the first time ever, I was 
you know, I ate dinner at home and I was home before the hours of like 8 p.m. and I would just sit and sort of think, um, which is <laughs> terrifying. Uh, and yeah. then to escape thinking, I recreated these thirst traps, but it was probably a blessing because through that I was like, it, yeah, I don't know. It even it even further focused. I thought it was just silly. And then I was like, wait, this is one. I actually think the purest, closest uh uh, expression of my own personal sense of humor and comedy that I had ever accessed before, which is really cool. Definitely, um, yeah. Because I was not, I'm not a, I was not a physical comedian on stage. I spoke very quickly and was, you know, trying to get people's attention. But I, I tapped into something very goofy and physical. And then also I was like, probably for the same reason, something very true about myself, yeah. which is that I wanted to look like these people, but I didn't. And I, I knew that I was some sort of trans and that I really was fascinated by and scared of masculinity and, and couldn't contextualize myself in the world of masculinity until I was doing these very goofy photos. And then also like, I knew, I think it's hard in talking to a lot of my like trans mask queer friends. There's the trans narrative of like, I always knew I was a boy because I loved playing football. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even I, when I was living as a girl, I was like really masked. And I was like, wait, I loved, I still love pink and wearing necklaces and musical theater. Um, and I have my joke of like, I, I didn't realize I could be like a boy who wanted to be penetrated, which is crazy because I grew up doing musical theater. Like yeah. representation was literally all around me. Um, but yeah, yeah, anyway, long rants. But these, the, no, the, it's, the, it's, it's, the thirst traps, like they, they were a strange way in mm -hmm. uh where i was literally just like face to face side by side with and just like trying on different things maybe for the first honestly for the first like four months without me even really knowing so um, and then i found myself going on runs and like trying to look hotter in the photos and i was like well that's you'd be like oh i should like get skinnier because i'm putting my body that's online right. would, that's what's so interesting about that I was becoming them. going running and thinking about this yeah. project yeah yeah it was it was it was uh really yeah it walked the line and i often crossed over and then i was like wait i kind of like crossing over and being like these guys in some ways but um yeah it was a really it's really strange it's so interesting strange i have a friend who it's so funny that like this friend i met so the picture you posted of me was the one i posted from like this korean spa here in los angeles it's called uh a wee spa and i have a friend that i met a long time ago a trans man who he he ran into a situation. It's a Korean spa, so there's you know <clears throat> nakedness, and it sometimes can get interesting if there is someone who isn't visibly bio born bio male. And so he had the situation, and I remember I was just sort of like they they made him put on shorts, and it was like a whole thing. And then I was like, no fuck that, come sit with me, let's all be naked together, like come on, let's have a big naked party. And so just sort of like creating this bubble around this person who was dealing with some problems and we became friends from that. And he was telling me that over, over the pandemics, it's sort of on what you just said that trans people were able because of their spaces were often, especially people who were early in the transition periods were able to on zoom and stuff present in the, in the, in the self that they are and to be able to have the confidence. It was like almost that the dis the digital distance allowed a growth in their own gender identity that, actually was a good benefit for them, which I always felt, thought was really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It was even like posing for those photos, like I controlled everything, right? Yeah. Like I could just retake them until I looked the way I wanted to. Um, obviously still with like a humorous, like 
comedic like sometimes it actually wouldn't be an exact recreation of the photo I just thought like but the way my face looked was funny yeah. and captured the essence of what that person was doing um but yeah it was a, a strange uh marriage of like being able to play with a humor and comedy that I hadn't ever tried before and also like gender identity stuff that I hadn't um physically been able to to try on or was too scared to try on stage yeah and didn't think it would read literally wouldn't read on stage in unless I was, you know, next to another person being like, look, I'm like yeah. them. Um, Do you right. feel yeah. like your stand-up now and your comedy in general now is coming from a different perspective because of what you've been through and the work you've done on yourself these past few years? That's a great question. It's funny. I did a my um, JFL audition last night, and it was at The Stand, which is like a very yeah. – uh, pretty cishet like straight oh, yeah. room i mean it was yeah and it was a, it was a semi-queer lineup like it was definitely like the alternative night <laughs> um but i last year i did very standard setup punchline jokes in the same space um and yeah i felt like i wasn't i didn't really fully show them what i had to offer and i was very like standing still and trying to just give them what they wanted and this time i was like i'm gonna have fun i do a really dumb britney spears thing where i like tuck my shirt uh, up like the way that she looks in the hit me baby one more time video uh and i talk about how it's the cure for depression and so i was like i'm gonna do that on stage and i mean i don't know if it if they liked it but for me personally i feel like i have so much more fun on stage when i when i do tap into that and i think that that little bit is um the direct result of the thirst trap project yeah. uh live and i'm trying to find out more ways i can i want to build out an hour that is maybe not directly talking about the thirst trap project but is feels like the next step mm. Um, I've been trying to figure out more ways to physically sort of do that, but I'm definitely freer as a, a person as the result of all definitely. of it. I think. That's great. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. The, the art sort of art, I guess at this point, what is it? Art represent art represents life. What is it? How does it go? I don't know. It seems like something Jodie Foster would art say. Mirrors though, life. Like Jodie life. Foster in contact would say something like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what's the, what's the term? Life blanks. Life art. imitates, life imitates art. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. it. That's in this, it. Life imitates art. Um, so aside from doing stand-up and, and um, you know, cool multimedia projects that turn into stand-up, um, talk a little bit about Late Stage Live. Yeah, thank you for asking. I'm so stoked about it. Um, I'm the head writer of a, a Brooklyn public access show called Late Stage Live. We just launched in November. Um, it's hosted by Ella Yerman, who's a very talented, hilarious trans girl who I'm good friends with. And she basically came to me in... Um, May of last year and was like, I want to do the daily show, but with a trans host and not just talk about trans news, but, you know, do it without any um, corporate overlords and lawyers breathing down our neck and just do it completely through Brooklyn free speech. So um, we release episodes monthly. We have an amazing writer's room. Um, and they right now the writers are also the correspondents. We're going to bring in some some actors as we as we move on, but uh, you can watch it on YouTube, um, or if you're if you live in Brooklyn, you can turn on Brooklyn Public Access, and we air there. I think twice a month. Wow! Um, so does that allow? Yeah. Do you use their like? Do you get to use Brooklyn Public Access Studios? Yeah. So we're shooting on like '80s TV equipment, um, and we're live switching. Wow. Like we call the whole show, whole show live. It's sort of a live studio audience. Um, it's really fun, and I. Uh, in order to use it, we had to be trained on all the equipment. So I technically know how to use oh everything. Wow. Um, oh, but wow. I do get to just sit back because we have other certified um, volunteers. Yeah, it's completely, we make no money off of it and we do it for no money. Um, so it's completely. Ever, 
volunteer base. I've always wanted, this is an old reference and none of you will get it, but there's a movie from the 80s called Broadcast News. Does anyone know this movie? Oh, okay, I love great. Well, yes. I've always wanted to be in a local like news station situation and do the whole Joan Cusack running through the room with the VHS tape in my hand because I have to get it because we're gonna go going on air any second. Uh. And just like she's like jumping over chairs and like under things, she slides at one point. Just Google that scene and you will love Joan Cusack for the rest of your life if you don't already, which you should. <laughs> That's definitely how it feels. That's definitely how it feels to do live show. Like we, yeah, it feels crazy. I mean, our technical director is so talented and she's just live calling out cues and people are pressing a billion buttons. That's so hot. We we don't rehearse either. It's so hot. We actually, we do call her Empress Mommy in the studio. The person who's calling out the cues (laughs) in a television room news situation is the hottest person in the room because they own that shit. Yeah. Yeah. In my head, for some reason, I imagine you, I, I don't know why, but I imagine you all have using the equipment, but it's like equipment from the 80s. So I'm picturing like giant camcorders <laughs> and huge Betamax tapes. <laughs> They're, the cameras are pretty massive and the computers we use are pretty dinosaur-like, I will say. And we, we kind oh. of made the whole show very, like we tried to lean into that aesthetic. Like the, the lore is that Ella is living in this 80s studio because it's the end of the world and she can only think about the news and so we have like old tiny (laughs) cigarette ashtray stuff on on the desk and like a sort of like crazy red red tape map of of news articles and stuff behind her um because we were like it's gonna look pretty bad like a bunker bunker. no she's living in a bunker she's the she's also chained to the desk and so people (laughs) are commenting like make sure to give her her water in her water bowl like we the, the fans have caught on and, and are building out the world it feels a, it too. It feels a little bit awesome. like a kink, too. I love it. A little bit. I don't know. I'm just saying. There's a little bit of a... Oh, oh no. Oh, fully, okay. fully. <laughs> she is, in the lore of her character, she also doesn't have sex and is really bad at blowjobs. Those are just, like, randomly two things we that have been written in. But We're building a world like, here. Yeah, yeah. A, wait, Reed, <laughs> where... Go, well, go ahead, Brent. Yeah. Uh, no, where can people now. find you Please. on the internet if they're going to be as obsessed with you as we are? Oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah, um, our Pope Graham on Instagram, I you, it links out to everything else. Uh, and then you can follow Late Stage Live on Instagram as well and youtube.com slash Late Stage Live for that. Or if you're in Brooklyn, turn on channel... Uh, 73? <laughs> I feel like... You know, yeah. that one, that one. Yeah, that one, that one. Whatever the Brooklyn Public, public Access channel Google is. Google it. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for Reed. being here, Reed. Thank you for having me. And another thing... So Business Insider did a story about straight dinks. Now, I don't know if you've heard that phrase, dink, before. Double income, no kids. And it usually, it's historically, it's been used to refer to gay couples. But increasingly, straight couples are also falling underneath the umbrella of dink. More and more people are... People see being a dink as the key to financial stability and a comfortable retirement. Um, I don't know if you've seen the stats, like the... I don't know if you guys follow the same statistics Reddit page that I no, do, but I don't. No. Um, it's unbelievable how fewer millennials and then obviously even more so Gen Zers are married compared to our counterparts and in, in previous generations. It is unreal mm-hmm. how millennials are delaying, deferring, and not getting married. Uh, right here. Um, Anyway, Amy Blackstone, the author of the 2019 book Child Free by Choice, said that the financial gap between dinks and couples with kids wasn't solely based 
because of choice about children. In many cases, it's also a bit of a selection bias. She said, quote, it's the people who already have higher incomes, higher education, and are generally more privileged to opt out of parenthood. Mm. Uh, the financial upsides of being a dink used to come with a cost. In 1974, a substitute teacher, this is crazy, a substitute teacher named Marsha Drutt Davis was fired from her job and received death threats after discussing her choice to be <laughs> child-free on 60 wow. Minutes. <laughs> what? Can you believe that? Why should she die? What, what I have purpose no, should she way, die? 1974 is 10 years before... I was born. Alan was five. It's like, this isn't that long ago. I like how Brent, okay, can we dissect this for a second? As, oh, as Brent okay. was saying that, there was a pause. I, if I can rewind this video, the there math. was a pause of him. No, not even doing the math. Not even doing the math. Him being like, oh, I'm about to reveal. I'm about to reveal the year. I'm about to reveal the year. So then he had to throw in. You you're had right. to throw you're in. Right. I saw that whole thing. You're Please, right. if you're watching this you're right. video, well, you, you're, you can't you're, be. You're, but, not, um, you're not yes. wrong. You're not yeah. wrong, Alan. For the first time in your life, you're, you're not wrong. Um, it's I mean, it, it is wild to think that there was a time in which uh, a woman not having kids was so reviled that she received You should threat. die. You should die. Well, I mean, at that same time, I mean, even just 10 years later when my mom was getting a divorce from my dad, well, more than 10 years later for that, but so that she couldn't get, she had trouble getting a, a credit card in her own name. <sighs> yeah. I mean, women have been unbelievable put through so much shit because of the infrastructure of marriage in this country and, and the obsession with marriage. And that's what you do. And that's what you have to do. And it's fucked over a lot of people. I do feel like because we live in we've only essentially lived in big cities and because we're comedians and are in, you know, a very yeah. liberal arts world. I'm not surprised to say that we know a lot of people who are dinks, a lot of straight people who have not lot, had, especially, yeah. I mean, especially as gay people, we, we've, um, you know, you see yeah. less kids, of course, but straight people too. I see a lot of, a lot less of it. And, um, you know, I, I think there were these two waves, at least for me of like, you know, far, far out, far, um, enough from graduating college, suddenly marriage started happening, weddings started happening. Yeah. And after that, it was like the same, you know, a similar thing with kids and get and, and pregnancies. But I'm not surprised that the stats also mirror the idea that like, not everyone really wants to get married and have kids as a, as a, you know, means to an end, I guess, or a natural yeah. um, evolution point. Well, I also think it's because kids fucking suck and they've gotten worse and they continue to get worse. And no, I don't no, it's true. true. <laughs> In a lot of ways, kids have, I mean, and parents have gotten worse. I, no, I don't say kids have gotten worse. Parenting has gotten worse. And there's a lot of asshole parents out there who just. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean it's gotten worse? I think like, it's gotten worse. Are... I think parents are assholes right now and they let their kids be assholes. And then there's a whole community of people just being assholes. I you know agree. what I mean? Where like kids, I agree. kids, I mean, this is, this is me being like, well, by the by day, but I mean, broad strokes. Yes, here, this is yeah, very broad I, strokes, I but I do think that there's a sense of sort of like, you know, we've, I don't know, parents have, especially our generation of parents have gotten into this mindset of like, the kids are just like these these little adults who can think and do and all these things. And I'm just like, just fucking be a parent. It's like it's like a dog in a way that like like why I hate a lot of dog owners and that, that they treat their dog like it's a fucking little princess. And then the dog shitting on everything and barking all the goddamn time when in reality it just needs to be trained and like taught to that. Oh, no, this is I'm in charge and you are going to be fed when you get fed and shut the fuck up. 
And the same thing <laughs> should be, I think, with kids in a way, in that like there, there's there's this sense of sort of just I don't know. There's just this sense of sort of like, you know, everything goes and let's have everyone have their feelings discussed. No I just, I don't like no it. Responsibility. Yeah. 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 No, I, 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 again, these are very, very broad strokes and I'm being a little but, funny, but, but still. I definitely noticed that from anecdotally from our friends who have kids, you know, kids, you know, kids get everything they want yeah. now. Um, you know, and, and it's unless uncle with- Brent is there to scream at them, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I, I think Alan makes a good point. I think, I think our generation, the, the millennials who have kids are just extraordinarily lax, um, with their kids. And I, you know, and I respect, I I respect the parents, friends of mine who are parents who like, I'm not, not a kid person, but I'm not friends with your fucking kid. I don't necessarily care about your kid all that much. I mean, I like your kid. I will continue. And then when that kid grows up and can have a good conversation with me, I will have great conversations with that kid. But <laughs> right. I don't give a fuck about your kid taking a poopy. I don't. And so, like, just <laughs> teach your kid to take a poopy and wipe on its own and let's call it a day. Like, I don't need this conversation. I, I don't know. I do. I do. I, I, I am still having trouble envisioning a conversation with, where a, a mother was talking to Alan about wiping her kid's butt after a poopy. That said, I, I hear what you're saying. I went to a kid. This was actually kind of funny. I went to a, I went to my friend's son's birthday party recently. Um, I, I don't even know if I could pick him out of a lineup but he oh my I really, god i really like well i mean so I, no I've gift only like, <laughs> I, i've only met him, like <laughs> you bring him a used diaper him i mean you go there to support your friend that's the thing you're there to support your friend whom i love dearly <laughs> and uh but it was funny because it was at a park um and the, I, I i forget exactly why but i was kind of restless that day so i was like all right i'm gonna take my bike on the bus which you can do very easily there's a rack for your bike and it's like a mile and a half from the bus stop. So I'm like, I'll have a nice little bike ride to this party. And then I'll just, you know, take the bike back to the bus. Um, hey, kids. I, I didn't I didn't notice that the that it was, of course, the terrain was literally uphill oh. for an entire mile. Wow. Oh, <laughs> so I, wow. I mean, it was it was I'm not kidding. I showed up drenched in sweat. Did you? OK, here's the question. Did you bike in jeans? I did. Yes. Yeah. yeah Can't bike in jeans, man. Well, you can roll. You can roll your jeans up that jeans. one leg so it doesn't get caught in the chain. Like that's a cool look. I, I do. I wear form-fitting jeans. They're a little tough to roll. Oh, those are tough. Yeah. You need. Well, now you know. No more jeans at the gym, and no more jeans on a bicycle. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna do whatever the fuck <laughs> I want, sir. And not have kids. Who's that? <laughs> All the kids are like, "Who's that sweaty man biking here Who's in that denim?" Scary man? <laughs> Why is he wearing dungarees? What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? The only thing I need in my earthquake kit is an AK-47. <laughs> <laughs> my Aunt Joanne would say, well, as long as they don't have the... Uh, New Fire Island on a kibbutz, I'm fine with it. <laughs> How about Anne? Anne, Anne would say, I sent your Uncle Ray a thirst trap once. I locked him out of the house and poured his beer down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Anne Anne. I love Anne Joanne. I do not love Anne Ramon. No, it's okay. We don't either. Is she a gun owner? 
No. <laughs> that went so dark. <laughs> well, he, he said, she said AK-47. I don't know. No, I just meant like, you know, I don't know. Like yeah. Societal collapse standard portion. I saw a guy wearing a shirt today that said, we the people on the front. And then on the back, it was like something something else. And I'm like, what is this new brand of person? This oh, like, uh, but I, By the way, I Patriot. saw someone at LAX airport of a certain ilk. <laughs> are we are we done recording? No, we can be though. Uh, let's, let's be done. Yeah, let's end. Sorry, y'all. Bye. <laughs>